Good morning, everyone. Um, I hope uh, everyone is having a good morning on this beautiful sunny day. Uh, this is the Sustainability Sessions. I am your host, Rebecca Sayre. Um, I want to acknowledge that today is Juneteenth. It's the uh, anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of uh, the Emancipation Proclamation. And um, also that we are coming to you uh, live from all over the beautiful Puget Sound region, uh, which is occupied Coast Salish land. Um, but we are here today to talk with uh, a fabulous guest that I'm um, so glad that he is able to find time in his busy schedule to join us. And that is my friend Rico Corndongo, who is a architect, principal architect with DLR Group. Uh, he is also uh, considered a citizen architect due to his uh, strong commitment to community engagement in design. In fact, he was just awarded from the um, American Institute of Architects a Citizen Architecture Award. So with that, Rico, hello. Good morning. How are you? Good to see you. Um, we are coming to you all live from, from all over the region, literally uh, through the magic of uh, Zoom conferencing uh, during these strange times. So I am in Seattle. Yeah. Benny, our fabulous producer, is over in Bellevue. Rico's in Fort Townsend. Um, Rico, can you tell us a little bit about, just to sort of frame our conversations today, about what being a citizen architect is uh, for you? And then also you had mentioned previously, previously to me the term of um, social sustainability. So, so what are those? Uh, sure. So I, it's interesting. I, uh, in grade school, I was good at math and I was uh, good at art. And so I decided that I wanted to get that putting those things together that I should uh, get into architecture. Uh, what I didn't realize, um, you know, I went to Washington University in St. Louis, is that uh, it, that interest in architecture was very closely tied to uh, a interest that I had in social justice, uh, and that through uh, practice, through built environment, that, that uh, I could affect change. And I, I, uh, I got a, a double masters uh, in architecture and in African-American studies. Uh, and, you know, there, obviously there are huge disparities uh, in our community uh, and uh, the black community is disproportionately uh, under-resourced and, you know, hurting in these difficult times of, you know, uh, impact of COVID. I, I, it, I'm, you know, on, on Juneteenth, I'm just very poignantly reminded of uh, where we are, how far we have come, and how much work there still is for us to do um, as, a, as a culture. Uh, the citizen architect honor, uh, I, I feel very good about it. It really is just a recognition of, of uh, my commitment to be out in the community doing good work, listening to people, hearing what they need, and and trying to uh, connect the dots and, and get 
families the resources that they need and and build the communities that they want to see in the way they want to see it. Um, The social sustainability is just the idea that that you know you know we we obviously there was a huge green movement um, that you know actually started as early as as the sixties really, but. if that, and, if, and, if and that... for our audience, Rico, when you say green movement, um, just just to kind of ground us in, in in the breadth of what we're talking about here, you're you're talking about um, well, yeah, so resource based uh, sustainability as as well as the social aspect, correct? Ex- exactly, and I think that that you know uh, what I commonly refer as getting to zero, you know, trying to. Um, minimize our carbon footprint uh, okay. uh, and build buildings that 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 are carbon neutral um, right because if we don't but, take care of the planet in the middle of all of this and we're you know we're not gonna we're not gonna have a healthy place to live and do, continue to do our work and grow as a society exactly I think that the idea of social sustainability is the idea that you know there's a whole health of community environmental sustainability is part of it. Um, and then, you know, there's all the other things like uh, financial s- stability, uh, food resource, um, and then, uh, you know, uh, cult- uh, connection to culture. Right. Well, th- again, thank you for that definition. And you've been doing this work uh, in various realms since about 1996, right? Is that, is that right? Yes. Yes. Great. And, um, in the time that I've known uh, Rico over the years, he's been doing some really important work um, centered around these very, very issues of uh, social involvement, social inclusion, environmental um, re- re- you know, resource uh, use reduction, carbon neutrality with building design. And you've been working, um, you worked on the, um, the design around the African-American Heritage Museum, correct? Uh, Northwest African American Museum, yes. Thank you. And you've also, you are on the Pike Place Market Preservation and Development Authority Board. Um, I know you've been, that that body is uh, going through some interesting times these days uh, and, and look, but I think challengingly and excitingly at the same time, right? Uh, looking at how to create a, a vibrant future for for the market. Can you tell me a little bit about that work? Sure. So I, um, I am a born and raised Seattleite. So the Pike Place Market has always been a, a part of my world. Uh, my former uh, business partner Donald King and I, we had uh, an office. Our community-based practice was immediately adjacent to the market for close to fifteen years. Um, I uh, had the opportunity to join the board. Uh, when we were in the middle of designing the the newest addition to the market, the market front building, uh, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a bridge from the market to uh, the new Seattle waterfront, um, I, my my being drawn to service at the market is really because that what what happens there. I mean, it's a special place regardless and it's a special community regardless. And, and it has, you know, international standing in that regard. But, um, it also, if, if you look at, if you look what happens there, everyone is welcome, you know, whether, whether you're well to do 
whether you're homeless, whether you're there for uh, the social services that the market provides. Right. Uh, Enrico, if I may, just, just to, to again, frame our audience, we are, we are based in the Puget Sound region for sure, but we actually are, are streaming all around the world. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the Pike Place market, it is a uh, beautiful, vibrant uh, community food and goods market that uh, has been part of the city, the city since its inception as a city practically. And then it almost went away in the early seventies. And thanks to citizen activists, uh, we still have it. And then Rico is working on continuing his legacy today. Yes, that, that is, that is perfect context. I, I think what's unique about the market that often doesn't get discussed is that it is its own it really is a community that is about equity. So it's a there's a huge small business community. Um, there are lots of uh, what would otherwise be referred to as mom and pop shops that that can exist in the market because of the uh, way it is financially structured. That wouldn't mm -hmm. uh, those businesses wouldn't survive uh, in the general marketplace. Um, but the the we. You know, we really take care of our people, our business owners, our residents, uh, the farmers, the buskers, the artists, mm -hmm. uh, and it's a it's a vibrant community because of the diversity that that we uh, uphold there and the authenticity that's that's critical to our uh, to our community and the council. And and can you speak a little to you know during these times of uh, COVID nineteen? I mean, financially, the market has been really strapped, as has you know small businesses yeah. throughout our country. Uh, when we spoke the other day, you were telling me about uh, the work you're doing to uh, ensure uh, you know financial resources for these small businesses, for uh, women-owned businesses, black-owned businesses, and and all these wonderful artisans and people who are are living and working and and their lives are centered around the market. Yeah, so we actually just had a, a great uh, fundraiser last night. It, it's, I mean, it's so, it, it just happened, so I don't actually have the uh, the stats on how much money we raised yet um, or how many people attended. Well, but was it, this it was, a virtual? I'm just curious, was it virtual? It was, it was, cool. but, okay. um, but we had uh, easily half a dozen artists that, that all performed um, over the course of the, event um and uh it was no it was really it was really awesome but um to answer your question uh you know we the the market has been hit uh very hard and uh you know up until recently mo most of our businesses you know as as so many businesses had to close due to covid we maintained about 35 that uh Remained in business, uh, providing uh, food uh, and goods and takeout um, uh, lunches and dinners for for people. And I mean, it, it's it's important to keep in mind, you know, that we have a an affor a resident afford affordable housing community that, that right. is a part of the market, um, and a senior housing community that's part of the market. Um, uh, uh, and, and so, it being able to, you know feed our own community as well as as well as the greater mm -hmm. downtown community and visitors has, has been critical. Um, uh, and then of course there's the food bank as well. But um, we, you know, we, we, there will be no income. I mean, the, the, for the, for the preservation and development authority, that's, that's, that's the purview of the council. Um, we aren't collecting, uh, 
rent at the moment. That's that's a part of what uh, the city of Seattle requires. You know, un until the, the and I'm not going to quote this exactly correct, but the ordinance that came out of um, the mayor's office, you know, essentially says that uh, after after King County opens up again, you know, opens for business phase two, that um, uh, businesses will have, you know, six months uh, before they need to um, catch up on rent. Um, and so that means that, that we will need to carry that cost. And we also know that, that um, you know, given these hard times that not everybody will be able to, to make it through. Uh, in the meantime, you know, we have a, we have a, uh, we have been able to minimize our, our monthly budget as much as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. uh, it's down to about 700,000 uh, a month. Um, but, you know, we, between maintenance and security and keeping the lights on and uh, staff, I mean, there's, there's, we, we, there, there, that budget we have to maintain regardless. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to we're trying to figure out how to keep going and we will and we will well thank you thank you for your commitment to that and 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 I, and what makes me feel at least some uh confidence is that i know that there's a lot of really dedicated creative people working uh to to on, on our, our city um broadly and also on uh taking care of the market could well, you... and I, if I could also give props to Mary Baccarella, she's our executive director. At the, okay. It's funny because when I we brought her in, which was two and a half years ago, I, I, I said squarely, like in my mind, there was a recession that was going to come. Nobody knew it was going to be COVID driven. Right. But um, I had said to her that, that my commitment was that, you know, for, for us to lay out a financial plan and that no matter what happened, that, that, that we would keep the market solvent. And so that's, that is what we are trying to execute on right now. Well, it's, it's no small task. So I'm, I'm, thank you, Mary. Thank you, Rico. Could you tell me a little bit, a bit about uh, when we spoke the other day about just, because th this show, let me just, uh, you know, this show again, it's a sustainability sessions. Um, Rico and I have known each other for a while um, working on, um, various things regarding the built environment. Uh, I, I'm now doing a real estate with Infinity Real Estate Development, and uh, we are very committed to, to green and equitable uh, housing models, um, such as co-housing and things like that, that are creative, that are making space available for all different kinds of folks in our city. And this program actually came to me uh, through some friends of ours with the, the Northwest Eco Building Guild. Um, and Overall, this the really the point of this program is to explore positive ways that we can, you know, we can we can move these things forward: uh, green, healthy, equitable, just uh, housing society in intersections with with uh, the natural world and the built environment. And so, when we spoke the other day, Rico, you were telling me about you know just we were just talking about the access to capital and how critical that is. Um, for shaping the future of, of this city. Um, could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So um, I had the good fortune of being able to be a part um, a facilitator for uh, uh, Urban Land Institute uh, discussion, I think that was two weeks ago now, um, around uh, 
small business, black owned business, uh, women business enterprises that are have been disproportionately uh, impacted uh, in in this recession, this new recession. Uh, but the conversation, whether uh, business owners or property owners, was around was around the issue of access to capital and how you know whether whether looking at a history of redlining or looking at preferential treatment for um, businesses of means, larger corporations uh, versus uh, smaller businesses, which are uh, which are often uh, characterized to be a risk not worth taking. Um, uh, what we know is that that those small businesses, uh, those minority-owned pr- uh, businesses, are critical to the vitality of the city. Um, I think I think I heard a statistic recently that suggested that as much as eighty percent of the uh, uh, businesses in the, that I mean, in, surprisingly, in downtown. Um, are actually small, uh, uh, independently owned small businesses, small practices, and that may be a King, that may be um, King County, not not just uh, Seattle. But, but I'm um, honestly heartened to hear. Um, you know, also as uh, I'm a I'm a lifelong Northwesterner most of my life in Seattle and the surrounding area, and, and that makes my heart happy to hear that there still is is that. Higher percentage in our region. Of, of well, and and I, I mean, I think that the the issue there is that, like, you know, that the the ability to own your own business, to you know, sell food, clothing, uh, convene uh, people, celebrate like our our differences, like that that can only happen if everyone does have the ability to. Um, you know, start like put put their passion into whatever uh, business opportunity that they care about, um, and you know, try to make a go at it. Um, and I think that you know, right now, um, small business loans, startup loans, um, like those those things certainly matter for uh, starting small business practices, but. Um, you know, right now, it, for so many of those businesses, they're they're just trying to. I mean, that that exist. They're just trying to figure out how they are going to uh, fund starting up again, and and whether it's actually worth it to them to uh, remain in business at a time that you know there's just retail is suffering. Yeah. Can you point to Rico any you know, sort of the the, some tangible local, uh, you know, points of discussion. Again, I know that things are kind of no, nothing's working the way it normally does, but opportunities, yeah. challenges, things that are happening with city council or county council, um, things that folks who are listening um, on to the show right now might be able to weigh in on or pay attention to about how this discussion is unfolding both for the market, but also you know regionally. You know, how, um. Policies. So I, I I I lost you there for a second, but um, you know I think uh, you know there is 
and I, I don't, I don't have the specifics of it in front of me, but, um, you know, I know that through, you know, small business administration, through uh, office of economic development, um, that there are, uh, relief programs and loan programs for, uh, uh, small businesses to, to get bridge loans and access to capital, like in, in this, during this time, um, and uh, the fundraiser that the that our Pike Place Market Foundation uh, uh, made happen last night uh, was intended for us to pull together the funds so that we can do that uh, internal to the market for our own for our own businesses as well. Um, I, I think that you know if we if we look at it from a policy standpoint, and I don't really know how to do this to be honest. Like it, it there, there's a question about how and i mean you'll you know there was obviously uh when covid first happened there was this big fiasco if you will around uh large corporations getting relief funds uh instead of um small businesses that really needed them and so i i think that you know the the what we know is that the the market will not take care of itself. Uh, and what I mean by that is if, if banks are given purview outright to who they loan to, who they provide money to and who they won't, then this issue about preferential treatment for large businesses and, and safe investments in air quotes always will ensure that, yeah. that, a, a, di a diverse community of small business owners will not uh, will not get that access to capital that they need. Um, so the the policy question is around how 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 do we um, incentivize banks to provide more uh, uh, loan and access to capital to small businesses? How do we? And, I, and this is going to sound a little bit. Um, uh, controversial, but how oh, do we provide? How, how do we provide preferential treatment for my, minority-owned businesses, woman-owned businesses, small business enterprise, and disadvantaged business enterprise? Um, well, so that they have it like up. It's like it's creating an equitable, equitable playing field. Is how I, I see. It. Well, and you know, I, I, I a very good friend of mine. Uh, uh, out of Chicago, shared with me a uh, a meme recently that that you know talked about um, uh, equality, equity, and justice. And if uh, uh, equality, uh, and I, I'm going to get these mixed up, but I think if equity was given, you know two people standing next to a large tree uh, trying to reach up to get apples um, and the trees leaning one way toward toward one of those two people, uh, each of them having a uh, ladder that was the same height isn't going to help them, right? right. One, one, one of them's not going to be able to reach the apples. Um, if, uh, if the, if the, phase of giving the small business community uh, and minority owned businesses a, a leg up is giving them a 
bigger ladder, sure, that's a step in the right direction. Um, but what we really need to do is shore up the system, right the tree so it's actually standing up straight and, and, and everybody has equal access um, because the system is righted. Um, and right now we just have a very lopsided and broken system. Yeah, it's, it's, it, is, it is skewed at this time. Yeah. Well, um, again, Rika, I, I so appreciate your work on the market. I look forward to hearing um, both what, what you um, and your team are going to be doing to make sure that the, the market and its vendors and artists and all of its services remain uh, a part of our, our city and how it can help shape policies uh, both here and around the, around the country. Um, we are going to be going to break in um, in just a little bit, and I want to just um, I'm excited about our next uh, topic that we're going to dive into. Um, about a, a year and a half ago, uh, Rico uh, and his team at DLR Group had reached out to the uh, North Precinct here in Seattle um, about engaging uh, the local community in developing a community policing model for that area. So when we come back from break in a little bit, I, I wanna dive into that. Um, but before I go to break, um, I wanna just mention a couple of things that are coming up. Like I said, um, I work uh, in real estate with Infinity Real Estate Development. We focus on, um, we provide full range of real estate services, but we do have a deep focus on green and sustainable and equitable, both development and real estate services. We also work really closely with the Northwest Eco Building Guild, um, and they have a DIY solar virtual class coming up on June 24th from 6.30 to 8.30. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how that's gonna go, but we've got some really smart folks who uh, know all about how to uh, get solar into your home, and um, I, we have solar on, on my home uh, here in Seattle. We certainly didn't do it ourselves, um, so I'm excited to see what can be done with the DIY aspect of that. Um, but it looks like actually we may have a little bit more time before we go to break. So let's kind of, uh, than, than I had thought, Rico, could you just kind of give us a little teaser here about the, I guess both the work that you did specifically with the North Precinct, but just um, maybe start with just this whole concept of engaging community and design and and what that means and what the outcomes of that are intended to be. Uh, well, let me, I, I, if I could, if I could clarify one thing just real quick, I, uh, always. <laughs> so, so the North precinct issue, I mean, as, as many of your listeners know, uh, there was a huge, uh, project and design effort, uh, put toward, uh, a new new North Precinct for Seattle Police Department um, that ultimately uh, was shut down uh, when uh, a, a large group of angry citizens, you know, uh, stormed City Council chambers and said, you know, uh, that they were not that they just weren't going to have it. That it was that they didn't they didn't feel like that investment uh, was in the public interest and they were concerned um, about uh, their own communities. And, and, you know, we're talking about uh, communities south of downtown that they weren't, that they weren't being invested in a way that, that 
was meaningful to them. Um, I, what um, our team did uh, was to approach uh, Seattle Police Department to talk about how we could take a step back and not looking just at North Precinct, but looking at um, uh, all, all four uh, precincts and neighborhoods being served. If we could reach out into the community to do some surveys, um, to do some open houses, to really start to um, uh, provide a venue for people to talk about you know what they what they appreciate uh, related to the police department. What they feel like, what the resources are they feel like they need that they don't uh, have, uh, and improvements that they uh, wish could be invested in or that they want to see forward. Um, and that then we took all of that that data um, and uh, analyzed it collected it and then began to put together some sort of implementation plan um, that the police department could use as they plan for the future. And part of that does look like community policing. So we talked about how, you know, uh, police having uh, what I call a mini precinct, it's not really a thing, it's just an idea, um, where you have a store, where you have a small storefront where uh, 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 police that are out on their beat that they can stop and take a break or uh, uh, connect with uh, the folks that are that uh, are stationed there, but that it's also a resource for um, for the community. So, like you, you actually. The police know their know their neighbors, and the neighbors know the police, and they know them by name and by that. Um, in that way, there's a relationship that gets built up of trust, and where the police are are seen as a resource, uh, and not as you know, in, in, by some agitators, right? Right. Okay. Well, that's. I think we do need to go to break now, but thank you for, for framing that and thank you for correcting me uh, and clarifying, and, you know, particularly during this important time. And I really look forward to diving uh, into this topic a bit more when we come back from break. So to all of y'all out there, uh, again, this is the Sustainability Sessions. I am your host, Rebecca Sayre. Our guest today is Rico Corindungo, who is a principal architect at DLR Group here in Seattle, doing some really amazing work engaging uh, community in the design of our, our communities and our city. So thanks so much. So are you interested in green building, energy efficiency, and sustainable practices? The Northwest Eco Building Guild is a 501c3 community of builders, designers, suppliers, and homeowners concerned with ecological building in the Pacific Northwest. The Guild empowers people through educational activities, classes, and events through the year. To learn more on how to go solar, conserve water, lower your energy bills, and create a healthy home environment, visit ecobuilding.org forward slash events today. Are you looking for a realtor? 
Rebecca Sayer from Infinity Real Estate and Development in Seattle is a real estate broker with a passion for helping people with an enjoyable and successful home buying experience. Infinity is focused on empowering positive futures for each of our clients as well as the community. With a deep local knowledge in green and sustainable properties and housing models, Rebecca is committed to connecting people with the right property. She can help you access a home that will increase your quality of life, reduce electromagnetic and toxic product exposure, plus your carbon footprint. Rebecca serves on the Northwest Eco Building Guild's Education Committee, where she is helping develop a series of courses for people who have an interest in living more sustainably, be it in a home or an apartment, through classes that share the tricks, tools, and resources available. To connect with an agent that serves you and your community, reach out to Rebecca at Rebecca at InfinityRed.com today. Lift your spirits with us every Friday at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on 1150 a.m. KKNW Seattle. We will be introducing you to fascinating people, fun places to visit, and activities are guaranteed to lift your spirits. Miss a show? No worries, you can visit 1150kknw.com and click on our archive page or like Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie on Facebook for upcoming guests and events. To contact me, Dina Marie, visit dina-marie.com. Thank you so much for listening. On the path to good health and well-being, Alternative Talk 1150 is the station for you. Cherish this breath. Tomorrow's a new day for everyone. A brand new moon, brand new sun. Hello out there. Uh, welcome back to Sustainability Sessions. I am your host, Rebecca Sayre. I am um, really grateful that today on this June 19th, June 19th, my friend Rico Corndungo, who is a architect in Seattle with DLR Group, uh, is able to join me uh, on this beautiful day. We're coming to you from all over Puget Sound uh, via the magic of the internet. Uh, I am in Seattle. Our producer Benny is coming to you from Bellevue. Rico's in Port Townsend. And Rico and I were just having um, a great conversation about his work uh, incorporating design and bringing in community uh, so that designs of our, of our city, of our neighborhoods are inclusive, that they, they have community input, they have community buy-in. And we were just talking about uh, the very important issue of community policing and the work that he's done on that matter. So, Rico, can you tell me a bit more? Uh, sure. I, so we were talking about, um, you know, our, our approaching Seattle Police Department um, uh, to talk about an opportunity for reaching out to the community and, and, and uh, you know, ultimately a, a part of that being about community policing. You know, I, right now, uh, with the Capitol Hill autonomous zone that, or the chop, um, you know, you're you're you you see uh, our Capitol Hill community, uh, you know, policing themselves and taking care of taking care of each other, and it's it's amazing to see this unfold. You know, I I was. I was disheartened um, 
that you know at, at, as opposed to all the images that, that you've seen um, across the nation of, of police marching arm in arm with Black Lives Matter uh, 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 folks celebrating uh, our difference um, in our community uh, please taking a knee like I I that that is the coming together of people and understanding each other that that is the work that that uh, we promote that's that's what being a citizen architect is all about um, and convening discussions where you address the hard questions and try to do work that um, bridges the gap and actually provides uh, meaningful solutions mm-hmm. for for uh, so many people that 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 have less um, and so it, it it really you know we do we do a lot of social justice work which is you know it whether transitional housing or affordable housing um, or uh, uh, rehabilitative um, uh, facilities that you know help kids get back on uh, a good path in life uh, social services like all of those things like I I I think that there is a path toward a better relationship between uh, police and community you know I uh, our, our mayor Jenny Durkin and uh, uh, Chief Carmen best like I they have huge challenges right now and and I when I when I think about this discussion of social sustainability how how do we make sure that the needs of the people are met and the police are an important part of that but how's how how is it done in such a way that people feel like they are being protected and not targeted yeah that's absolutely critical and um, we were just talking about that you had put in a proposal around the North Precinct about a year and a half ago. And thanks to activism um, from the South End, you, you that was started to get unpacked a bit and, and, and the, the entirety of the policing around Seattle and how that could be improved. Um, is how the discussion morphed. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about that? And and perhaps I understand that that proposal did not proceed at that time. But do you have you know either realistically or theoretically at this time, since there's so much unknown? Well, I, so so I will I will say this. I mean, we we did not DLR group did not work on North Precinct, and and I so I don't I don't want to speak on the merits of the 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 original design. I mean, certainly there is a huge need that North Precinct has for a new facility for all the officers that that uh, do hard, the hard work there. Um, I, I would say that, that, that we are in a time where we need reconciliation, like as a community. And um, that's, that's only going to come if we, uh, if, if we can it in this as a total bias that that I have from the community engagement work that uh, I do as part of our practice. Like you can't for any project, regardless of its size or scale, you, you can't be successful if you don't start by listening. You like mm-hmm. 
as a as an architect as a designer i have i have a bunch of tools that i bring to the table i i know how to design buildings i know how to work with engineers i know how to work with developers but what i don't know i'm not an expert on your family your uh neighborhood your community your needs i i need to do a lot of work to listen hear you see you be a part of your world and only when i'm only after i've become immersed in all of those things all those pieces um, of your culture can i respectfully uh begin to help you to design a vision for like the the next step forward and that that is as that is as much a design process for the creation of a housing project a city block development as it is for us to have a conversation around you know development of the next that you know the next east precinct the next north precinct uh small mini precincts in, in neighborhoods that are resources for a community um but it's gonna it it can it's only gonna start in my opinion if we can if we have some form of community engagement reconciliation process that is just a long series of listening sessions where people are connecting with people and it means that a lot of difficult things are going to get put out there and a lot of hard things are going to be said um but it's going to take a long time and require a lot of patience mm -hmm. but that's that is in fact what community design is uh you know going back to a, a pike place market example you know we we must have had over 300 meetings around uh our market front project and you know that was every other week con convening a meeting about uh what was the work we were doing for that site what were people's thoughts and opinions? What did they think we were doing well? What did they think we needed to change? And the building that exists today uh, is a and, reflection. And I just, both, both for the sake of, of talking about that project, but I think you're so like on, on the core again about like how process works well, right? Like, right. Can, can you just can you just speak to um, I don't know either either an, an example of something that came out of that community engagement. Um, I'm just looking for you to kind of punctuate that point of, you know, because if you build a building and people don't like it, then you didn't do your job right, right? So this is critical. I think it reverberates out throughout society. Like, well, I mean, you know, example with, with, how, although that took time, how that how that improved the outcome. So I, without, without, uh, well, hopefully this all will make sense without the larger frame but so mark market front as a new building uh you know there were there were lots of concerns around the development of the last developable site uh in in pike place market and, and you know it's our it's mm -hmm. a historic district huge uh huge impacts to consider there one of them was view corridors and where they're putting a new building up in that um uh it was actually an old uh market building the mercantile building that burned down in i believe that was 1974 so it was undeveloped for 25 years um uh you know but putting a new building on that site whether critical views of of uh market community were going to be blocked um and you know so we had to design very much around that 
at the same time that we also um, uh, designed this first, uh, the first leg of Overlook, uh, Overlook Walk uh, for the city. Um, we, you know, there was a lot of questions about um, you know, the, the upper level of the market, I'm sorry, the upper level of market front um, provides, uh, it's a, uh, an outdoor covered uh, uh, assembly space that where, you know, just the, the raw numbers up to around 40 um, uh, day stall uh, day stallers can sell their wares uh, like while looking at the you know 180 degree uh, beautiful views of, of the of the waterfront um, but it's removed from the street and there was a lot of there was a lot of concern that it could not be successful mm -hmm. um, but through the design process and what we the, the type of space and the amenities that we provided for day stellars that would be that would be utilizing uh, that pavilion um, we transformed the project we essentially added another story to the building so instead of just being an open unprotected um, plaza it's a it's a cover it's a it's a glass enclosed covered portico that can open up uh, uh, to like be open air but also provide uh, shelter for the businesses that, that occupy that space. Um, We're still Northwest. <laughs> well, and it's been hugely successful, but that, yeah. but that only came through um, a community design process where folks were, were able to provide input about what, why they would use the space, why they wouldn't use the space, what they needed to see there, what they couldn't, uh, what they couldn't accept uh in terms of view blockage and that sort of thing and us working very much day by day hand in hand with the community to make the project be uh what they wanted to be in miller hall huge design partner selling construction they, those guys knocked out the park um they everybody had to be very diligent and patient going through a, an authentic process of community design. And and again, I guess speaking to this project, but again, it, it resonates out to other things. Uh, and this is what we spoke about on the phone the other day is that just just by taking those steps, you, you achieve a different level of community buy-in uh, that just changes the entire dynamic of the project, right? Like it, yeah. Can you speak yeah. to that a little bit? I mean, just like you know, how those vend those vendors engage differently, how the different firms. Well, I mean, it's it's it, for for sake of the construct, anybody can build uh, a building, anybody can build a box, but mm -hmm. breathing life into it only comes from the the community that supports it and the community that's a part of it. If the how things come together, how you start is how you are. And if everyone's invited to the table to conceive of what the opportunity is, conceive of the transformation of, of the park, the parking lot into a building, the, you know, uh, five single family homes that become uh, 10, uh, a more dense 10 unit co-housing project, but with uh, uh, open space uh, amenities like 
when the community comes together with uh, investor development partner city agency to conceive of what better looks like in air quotes then we have a different conversation and can get somewhere when it's done to you or for you it like it can't be embraced it can't be appreciated that's the difference between like an old traditional design model and community design where the community is at the table from day one And and that and that drives back to this idea around social sustainability how how do you create projects that are socially sustainable because they're bought in by the community that is being served? And it, it strikes me since, you know, we still live in a world where things are, you know, in, in business is business, you know, are centered often around economic terms versus these social um, priorities. But it also, what you just said, speaks to if you want to have a successful project, if you want to have a a, a structure that is visited, that is utilized, that is accepted in the community, which is going to make it more economically viable in the long run. The work that you're doing on the outset is going to create that far more than the inverse of that. That if just something's plopped into a community and people are, are not connected to it, it, it's an entirely different experience. Well, and that's, and that's you know, when you hear people's uh, make the claim that development is bad. I mean, that is the problem that that we're that you're in, that you're grappling with. I mean, uh, Africa Town, Twenty Third and Union uh, uh, development with Lake Union Partners. Like uh, when that project was halfway through the design review process, the regulatory process for the City of Seattle, the community was very upset. Or like yeah. you know, you you guys don't know us. Like what 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 do you what do you what are you building here? This isn't for us. Um, and we were able to come in and uh, work work with the community and and transform that project to now be a reflection of African American culture and supportive of uh, small black businesses. And and it's a it's a project that's now uh, embraced by the community. But that can that can only happen by inviting community in. Yeah. Well, Rico, I've, I've, I've always appreciated how you roll and how thoughtfully and, and, and you approach this stuff and, and how dedicated you are to this work. Um, we're, we're wrapping up and always amazed how quickly the show goes. It was like, oh my goodness, we have an hour to talk about things and then we just have a few minutes left. I know. We so just scratched the it's surface. So good, it's so good to talk to you. And I'm, I'm again grateful that with your, your crazy busy schedule that you've got going on that you were able to join us this morning. Um, I guess any any other closing thought, excuse me, closing thoughts, uh, just on this day and on this process, and just sort of a, a message to our community during this time. Um, I, as much of a cliche as this is going to sound, I would say that we have to lead with hope, um, and that there is promise for a better future. Um, mm-hmm. It will require partnership, uh, both public-private partnership and. Uh, bringing bringing all of us together that you know we don't always see we often do not see eye to eye but mm-hmm. i think that that if we engage in a authentic process of listening that there's the opportunity for healing reconciliation and growth and that's mm-hmm. you know that's what i've committed my career to and and so many of my peers 
um, you know, GLR Group and our firm and, and the partners that we work with. Like, I just, this is what gets me out of bed every morning. Mm-hmm. We, I, I believe that we collectively, all of us, that we actually can make a difference and it's, and it's through authentic engagement. I mean, here, here. I mean, I honestly, when, when I was working with Seattle 2030 District, which is a, a, an organization, it's actually a, a across North America organization that uh, is working to um, reduce uh, carbon footprint by the year 2030. Um, so impressed and so inspired by this community uh, of innovative, thoughtful people working on how do how do we create and how do we change and how do we alter and how do we adapt our community that's in part why I wanted to go from the nonprofit sector into the business realm because uh, it, it's, it's really inspiring um, and and incredibly challenging um, but uh, I think you know, there, there's so there's so many issues right now from uh, social then they're all they're all kind of the same thing right it's like social justice and economic justice and environmental justice and how we how the heck we deal with climate change it's all going to come about by working together um, yes and it, it it seems to at least my my observation instinct or what have you is with all these crazy things that are happening right now uh, some it, it, it's good it's they're, they're, they're we're having a pause we're we're, we're learning um i i actually was uh i've had the, the the interesting and fabulous experience um i have a history of engaging in social issues but um my my boyfriend's uh nephew has been staying with us frequently he he's been working on whitby island where he works and he's been coming down and protesting frequently and i actually joined uh, a dedicated protest last night with them and, and and had the opportunity and it was painful, but to hear so many young people speak of their experiences and share and, and hear their voices and hear and just hear a, a hope, a fear and a hope and all this stuff, but just like people really communicating. Um, yeah. And it, it's just, it's something's cracking open and it, I think it's good. Yes. No, I, I think, I think it's, critical it's a critical time and and what what we see happening around us today uh needs to continue and it and it needs to be sustained for a long time if we're actually going to make substantial change yeah and and with that and and here we are we're just at the end thank you rico so much for chatting with me today um again i appreciate your work Uh, To all of you out there, I'm your host, Rebecca Sayre. This is Sustainability Sessions. We've been talking today with a local citizen architect um, and someone who's really dedicated to the work and the practice of social sustainability, Rico Corindongo of um, DLR Group. Thanks, man. It's really good to talk to you. And uh, thank you all for listening. Go out and have a beautiful day. We We can do good things in the world.